Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Back podcast. I'm your host, TYC. We've got a great episode in store for you all today. College Lax is just a few weeks away, so we decided to make our own Division I Top 20 rankings. Uh, I took a lot of time to look through each team, you know, where they stood last year, who comes back, who they lost, uh, transfers, all of that. Um, took a lot of time and detail into putting this one together. So um, I'll enjoy sharing that with you all. Um, then I'll go on to some of my Toraton finalist pick picks, um, who those five guys will be. And then um, just some other bold uh, predictions we might see by the end of the season, some storylines that may possibly pop up. So um, without further ado, let's roll the intro and get into it. On his second straight in overtime, Salcido down the alley, to the middle, Tromboli in traffic, shoots! seconds left. Stotts is going to have to let it fly. He checks the clock. Rice with one. Oh! It's over! Rice to Donahue! Ball game! Gate behind the back and the shot to goal by Greg Burns. And get the assist to Paul Gate with a nice behind the back pass to Burns. With speed. Oh! The catch and behind the back release. It's unbelievable. Yes, it has been eight months since we watched Virginia take the crown of college lacrosse from the Yale Bulldogs. It was a fantastic championship game, an even better semifinal round with Virginia beating Duke in overtime. I was there in person. It was an incredible game. What an atmosphere. Uh, it just felt like, you know, this had to be Virginia's year. And um, it, they may have it in, uh, in store for themselves again this year, but don't want to give too much away. Uh, I poured through all the details, all the numbers, the stats, who was gone, um, who's coming back. I, I really tried to be fair with all of these teams and make a pretty solid 1 through 20 list. And uh, I think it is. So uh, I'm here to share that with you guys. And let's get right into it. So I'll start off first with the teams I was giving some consideration when making the top 20. Uh, I had Lehigh, uh, Richmond, and Georgetown. I think they all had solid seasons last year, Georgetown especially. They were awesome and very fun to watch. I think Georgetown just lost way too much offensively. Um, They could still be a solid team this year. Um, It's just hard for me to put them in above some other teams just knowing how much they lost on offense. Uh, secondly, uh, Richmond, uh, they lost Teddy Hatfield, one of their go-to guys. Uh, Ryan Lanchberry is a very talented, a 50-goal scorer. Uh, I just don't know how many other guys uh, can step up on that team and sort of repeat the success they had uh, competing with teams like Duke and, uh, and getting into the playoffs. And lastly, I had Lehigh. I have them in there, although they have two, arguably the, one of the best face-off tandems in the country, um, they lost four of their five scorers. I think Andrew Pettit comes back this year after being hurt all of last season. So he may actually provide a pretty good spark uh, on offense for them. I just can't see as a team as a whole when they didn't have an outstanding year last year that they should maybe be in the in the top 20. So now I will go from 20 to number one. And um, we'll start off with saying uh, Towson. I have Towson as my 20th team. 
Um, I think you have to just look at who they lose and three of their top five scorers. Uh, you lose Brendan Sunday, obviously he balled out in the MLL. Um, you have Zach Goodrich, one of the best defensive midfielders in the country, and Alex Woodall, who was about a percentage point lower than TD Ireland when it came to winning faceoffs. Um, you know, they have their goalie back. Uh, it, it was a good team, but um, I think the CAA might belong to someone else this year. And whether they have a lot of guys step up or not is pretty much just going to be the deciding factor. But for an okay team last year, um, and whether you want to argue they should have knocked off Maryland or not because of that miracle Jaron Burthardt shot, I don't know. But I, I just can't see them. I still included them because it's Towson. They're, they're always a solid program. I just think with what they lost, it's going to be hard to rebound and be a legitimate uh, team at first. Um, at number 19, I have Rutgers. Um, they, were, they were a solid team last year. They played Penn State pretty well. Um, they, they have, I believe, their entire offense back. Trying to sort through my notes here quickly. Rutgers, their entire offense returns. Uh, they did go 7-8, and eight, but their losses were to Hopkins by 2, uh, Maryland by 3, Penn State by 1, Army by 1. So they played all top 10 teams uh, pretty tight. And um, I think with a whole year of another offense coming back, uh, as well as a, um, two other defensemen and uh, a very solid goalie, um, I think they can be in store to have a solid season. I, that's why I have them at 19. Um, I think they had a good enough year last year where bringing all those guys back could do them some good. Uh, number 18, I have Ohio State. Um, I see in a lot of the rankings, Quint Kesnicks and even the Nike ones, that Ohio State, uh, they have them pretty high. I know Nikes, they have them at 13. I, I I wasn't really sold on them as a team last year, and all they did was lose offensive scoring. You know, I, people like to point to Trey LeClaire, but he hasn't been the same player he's been since he was a freshman scoring 63 points. Um, I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't know. This team had really good games and also really bad games. They were just confusing to sort of try to figure out Sorting through my notes here. I'm sorry. Ohio State. So four of their five scores return. Um, however, like I mentioned about Trey LeClaire, they kind of need that guy to be the man. Um, they have Jack Myers, Jackson Reed, Colby Smith. And although it's four of the five scorers, a lot of those were not above 30 points. Um, it's a mostly in junior-senior lineup. So, you know, they might have some experience on their side, but um, they're just going to need to perform. They have their one goal loss to Maryland, one goal win over Hop, but then they lost 13-10 to Michigan, who won three games all year. Um, it just has me questioned and unsure about them. They have a great faceoff guy coming back, however, um, and a solid goalie between the pipes. They weren't a great defense. Um, they have two seniors now leading the way. I have them ranked still. It's just the way that they were last year. They're one and four. They're in a very hard conference. They were one and four in conference play. So they're going to have losses. It's just how they perform outside of the conference and especially in the conference uh, for them to, to sort of raise their, uh, their ranking throughout the year. Next, I have Villanova at number 17. Villanova was an interesting team. If you remember, they almost knocked off Yale. If not, I believe they did knock off Yale. Yes, they did. Villanova was uh, was a fun team, and they're another one of those kind of like Rutgers that they had just have everyone coming back. Um, I'm trying to find. I'm sorry. 
They should be in here. Uh, Villanova, they were, they have, I believe, a, a face-off tandem returning, um, who went, I think it was like 46, and 52 and 48% percent, um, between uh, Dan Fisher and Zach Ornstein. Uh, all of their defense returned. Uh, they played really solid against some good teams, similar like uh, similar like to Rutgers, which is why I kind of have them in the same range as one another. Their whole offense returns. Connor Kirst at 50 points. Keegan Kahn at 50 points. Matt Campbell, 40. And then you go 36-21-20 in terms of point scores. Uh, so everyone comes back. Their freshman goalie was 52% last year, and he's coming back. So I think it's similar uh, to some of these other teams and teams I will mention that they just got people coming back and that's really what you want especially on offense for people to just click develop um, just better more as players 16 I have Loyola now I'd like to think most people wouldn't overreact to having Loyola so low they were 15 in the Nike rankings and I believe Quint even had them somewhat low um, you have to take into account how much this team loses this coming season. Loyola last year boasted one of the better offenses. Um, they had the Tawaraton, and now they don't have really either. They lose Pat Spencer, they lose John Duffy, Alex McGovern, Jacob Stover, and Chase Scanlon. Um, that is a mouthful, and that is a lot of offensive firepower. Um, I don't know if Kevin Lindley and Aiden Olmstead are going to get it done for them. Uh, Lindley, 60 goal scorer, but he was basically Pat Spencer's best friend when it came to finishing the Rock. Uh, and Olmstead's a solid player. They still have Bailey Savio, who's 52% from the faceoff X, and their whole defense returns. So in terms of getting possessions, um, I, I mean, it's Loyola. They're one of the top top programs. They've got guys to fill in. You have Pat Spencer teaching guys and and um and giving people some offensive knowledge i'm sure so they'll be they will still be a solid team but just because of how much they lose i I just couldn't put them that high although they had a great year last year that rounds out the 20 to 16 uh now we'll go 15 to 11 so there at number 15 i have umass um they were getting some consideration at the end of the year for rankings, I think UMass is a really intriguing team going into this season. Uh, their entire offense returns, just about uh, their top five scores. Um, they, I think, they could beat out Towson um, and everyone else for the CAA uh, title and get into the tournament, which I think would be interesting. They played Yale down to the wire, uh, losing in overtime. I'm almost positive. Um, Sean Connolly is just a beast. I mean, there's nothing else to it. He 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 led the charge in that game. But um, really, with uh, Scannone gone in goal, who was the first-team All-American, mind you, I think some people forget that he got that nod at the end of the year, 61% in goal. He's really the biggest shoes that they have to fill, um, as well as their face-off guy, Tom Myers, who had 62% of face-offs. Um, so two pretty key positions but again, like I've been saying, uh, I think with everybody returning and, you know, faceoff guys are sometimes hard to replace. But I think goalies, while good goalies are pretty, you know, clutch and important, you know, you think of guys like Burnlor, uh, Reardon from Albany. Um, I think goalies are a little easier to replace sometimes. And 
their numbers are it's hard to pinpoint how impactful and incredible a goalie is when you consider the defense and the teams you're playing uh, and and things like that so I think those aren't huge exclamation points uh, they were third in the country with um, in scoring defense and you could argue that was probably in part with Scannon and goal but I think that falls on the defense giving up either easier shots or just taking the ball away so as far as I know, their defense is coming back, and they got their whole offense returning. So I like UMass a lot. I think they deserve to be at 15, and that's where I put them. Uh, next up at 14, we have High Point. Um, they weren't included in the Nike rankings. And I think Quint might have given them uh, a comment here or there, but I-, I think you have to give them some respect after having the season they did last year. I mean, they beat Duke. They beat Virginia. Asher Nolting comes onto the scene, um, waving his hands, saying, hello, look at me. I mean, he he was a highlight reel. He was unbelievable, and he was only a sophomore. So he's got his junior season now. Their entire offense returns, mind you. I think we're starting to see a theme here. Uh, but that, that high point team was really interesting. Uh, they were fun to watch. Um, they come back. They got four of their five scorers. Um, he'll have Asher Nolting, like I mentioned, he, he's going to have to do that do it again. He's going to have to have the same kind of performance. No Tim Troutner in goal, but he didn't really get as much recognition as he as he does now with the PLL, with him playing as well as he did. But I think people look at that in hindsight as a big loss. But in the moment, uh, he was about a 50-something percent save percentage, which many goalies fall under the same category as. Um, I think... High point again, you know, I think they'll have another good season because uh, of the conference they're in. Um, like I said, they have their share of good wins. Um, they just really got to compete with Richmond. It should be a good battle, I think, in that conference, just as conference play always is between teams. Their whole starting defense returns, and Davis Sampier, who's a beast at the faceoff X, was 60% on the season. Um, I think they have some good things in store for them down south. Number 13, I have Denver. Pios, you always got to give them respect. Bill Tierney is a, a god. Um, he's going to coach those boys up um, to the best they can be. You got Ethan Walker uh, featured on ThruX. Paul Carcatero, we got to get in the mind of him. Uh, one of the better shooters, a lefty at that. Um, he was just, just stupid numbers when he was in high school at the Hill. Um, or I'm sorry, whatever uh, the academy that he went to. The guy's just a scorer. He knows how to ball. Um, he's got to be a leader this year, and, and he's got to uh, he's got to definitely uh, take the reins. Uh, they lost Austin French, Colton Jackson. Um, they've go they've got a mostly younger midfielder now this year. Um, those got those guys are definitely going to need to produce. Produce. They graduated two seniors uh, on defense. They were fifth in scoring defense uh, in the country. They lost a close man and uh, an LSM. Faceoff is stellar. He's 59% at the X on 366 attempts, mind you. Uh, I think that stands out. Brett Booz, um, they'll look to him definitely to give them some more possessions. Jack Hanna is back on offense, 34 points, um, but definitely needs to improve on the shooting percentage. It was about 18, so Walker's going to need a little better shooting and help than that. Uh, the Big East will definitely, I think, be a battle between Georgetown, Nova, and Denver. So. I think that will be um, something cool to look out for. And the Pios finish out at number 13. Number 12 now, I have UNC. 
Um, I know they weren't outstanding last year, but the more I've been told it, I'm sort of buying into um, I'm sort of buying into the hype. They, um, like I said, not a great season last year, but they just added one of the best players in the country. I don't care what you say about Chris Gray, but he is outstanding. He's going to elevate this team um, to a point they haven't seen since their their times in the tournament. I mean, they lost two of their top three scorers, which hurts. Uh, you have Will Perry, though, Nikki Solomon, Alex Trippi, Tanner Cook, um, all of which who had no more than 32 points last year. So all of those guys are going to need to step up. But it's a good thing because most of those guys are sophomores, even freshmen or juniors. So they're all coming back. They all have a year under their belt, and they're going to be able to be playing with Again, one of the better players in the entire country. I mean, third in scoring, hundred uh, over 100 points. Now he's dealing with weapons at UNC compared to weapons at Boston University. Um, and that's no knock on BU. But UNC, I would think, gets some better recruits. And Chris Gray is going to be able to utilize them. And I think he elevates them a little bit, um, if not a lot. Uh, they lose their whole starting defense, which was average anyways. So I think you'll have... Some guys be able to step in, and uh, you got Will Bowen, who was the number one ranked defenseman two years ago, um, So, who is an absolute tree. I mean, watching him in the Under Armour game was kind of bewildering. So maybe he'll get a nod this year with three fresh spots open, uh, and that'll have UNC at number 12. I'm buying into the hype. To round out the 15-11 to 11 spot is Army. Uh, Army was one of the, the greater stories last last year, Obviously, with Johnny Surtick, um taking out any top offensive threat on the other team, uh, he won the Defenseman of the Year award. Uh, I actually met him and did uh, did some work with him at the West Point camp uh, over the summer that uh, Army does, and he was just an absolute unit. Um, my goodness, I would want no business dodging on him, uh, and I can see why he was as as good as he was. Um, Army, you know, always known for their defense. They're just big, athletic, just scary, brute guys. Uh, they lose A.J. Barreto and Nett as well, who's a pretty big loss uh, on defense. But again, I think they'll be able to fill those guys in, um, you know, similar with sort of UNC situation. Uh, it is tough to always lose a top defenseman like that, a one-on-one guy. Uh, but they bring back all of their offensive talent, uh, if not for one person. They were second in scoring defense, like I said, 8.6 goals a game. So that puts a stat at least to that statement. Uh, they were five of six. Five of their six scorers return, excuse me. Uh, you got Nick Dern, uh, who had 80 points. Uh, Miles Silva, 39 points, which were all goals, actually. <laughs> Zero assists for Silva. So maybe that uh, he changes that up this year. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, Matt Manown, 33 points. Um Sean O'Brien, 33 points. Nick Garifano, 23 points. I think he had three or four of those in uh, the Loyola, <clears throat> excuse me, the Loyola game. Uh, he's actually from my hometown, Yorktown, by the way. Uh, beast athlete. Um, unbelievable. Uh, they actually won the Patriot League, if people want to forget about that, too. Um, you know, like I said, they have those losses. The rest of the defense return. Uh, their faceoffs were kind of a big issue. They had guys split reps, and neither one was above 40%. 
So, I mean, hopefully they can't be any worse than that. Uh, and they were still able, to, still able to win some games. So, we will see. Uh, it could be a battle with Lehigh for the Patriot uh, for sure. But I think Army might have this one. And, you know, I think they deserve some respect after the season they had. So, I have them at 11. Now for the top 10. Um, the 10 through 6 was, I think, pretty easy to do. It was sort of the 20 to 10 was a little harder um, so number 10, I have Cornell. Uh, Cornell is uh, was is a season removed from having a, an outstanding year. They get deep into the playoffs. They end up losing to Maryland. Um, and they, um, they, they still have one of the best attackmen in the country, uh, Jeff Teat. I think he's very, very slept on. Uh, I know he took a step back, at least points-wise, last year. Cornell as a whole was sort of just a, a mess, kind of. Um, but in that in that first year with the interim coach, I mean, they had what I think like three or four losses. Teed had over a hundred points, uh, or like ninety nine or something, and he definitely showed people that he can ball out. I mean, he effectively had to just be shut off with a short stick for a, a team to even uh, compete uh, offensively. Uh, they have, like I say, they got John Piatelli and Teed. Those two just got to be studs. Uh, they lost. Uh, Clark Peterson, who basically was um, the thing one of the thing two to thing one with Jeff Teed, he basically finished every single shot. He fed him. Um, both of them played together at the Hill, uh, and they also lost Jake McCulloch, who was a captain midi. Um, but neither of them crazy high in points. Uh, they get Chase Ireland back in net. Uh, they get two of their top cause turnover guys, Brandon Salvatore, Dom Doria. Um, they lost Fleet Wallace, who was also a captain, D-man. Uh, they were dismal, like I said, at face-off, 42%. Uh, and they had at least three other players with 50 attempts. So they were really struggling to try to figure out uh, how to sort of win those possessions. Um, so if they're any better than that, and as if they're any better than they were defensively, um, I think this team still got the offensive firepower. And now Jeff Teat is a senior, and I think he's ready to ball out. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I think he's ready to ball out. Um, so that concludes Cornell at number 10. Number 9, I have Johns Hopkins. Um, I mean, we saw it last year, a, a 1918 thriller for the Big Ten Championship that had to be ended by Mac O'Keefe. Uh, but Hopkins was toe-to-toe there. They have the offensive firepower. Um, they really do. They lost, I believe, only two, um, but uh, two guys, but they've still got Epstein, who's coming back after leading the team in points um, and is en route to have an assist record at Hopkins. You've got Cole Williams, who is an absolute stud. You've got Forey Smith, uh, Connor DeSimone, who, if you are a lacrosse fan, should know his name. He had an electrifying highlight reel and was basically one of the best players um, and recruits in the country. Big deal when he committed to Hopkins. You got Jack Keogh. Uh, another guy from Long Island who uh, was a pretty touted attackman prospect. Evan Zinn, who is a midfielder, um, a freshman. So you've got a lot of younger guys coming back, but even uh, very talented ones, uh, to say the least. You've got two seniors on defense. They did graduate a handful of guys on defense. Uh, and their goalie, historically, has never been incredible, at least recently, and definitely wasn't last year, 45%. Um, so any kind of improvements on those ends, but they've got the offense. It's Hopkins. They've always got things 
up their sleeves. They're fun to watch. Um, I think it's fair. Put them at nine. Uh, the Nike had them at eight, so um, I like them where they were. Number eight, I have Notre Dame. Um, they, again, were an overtime away from being in the semifinal round. Uh, if you remember that that overtime goal where the goalie must have just not seen the shot, uh, blinded by the sunlight, that's uh, also where the Duke player went down with that really bad leg injury. Uh, hopefully he gets to return this year and get back on the field. But, uh, again, this is a team that's historically always got good defense. Um, they've had great goalies. You know, they're, now they lose Ryder Garnsey, and uh, they lost Brendan Gleeson. And, you know, sure, they played the whole season without Garnsey. He only returned for the playoffs. But then he had 10 points in two games and basically was key to them even getting to where they were. So offense is definitely going to be a question. Uh, the whole rest of the offense returns other than those two guys. So, you know, another year together and younger guys coming in and getting another year, being sophomores or juniors, whatever it may be. Um, uh, will help. Uh, the D should be, you know, solid as always. As I've said, they've got Jack Keelty leading the way. Um, the goalie, you know, a question mark, 49%. He's now a junior. Um, so, you know, you know, hopefully he takes another a step forward. 49% is really not that bad. Um, and he'll probably be motivated after, uh, after giving up that overtime goal as most goalies, as most goalies are. So I like Notre Dame at eight. I just think because of how they finished last year, and they're just perennially, perennially, um, always top ten worthy. Um, so number seven next, I have Syracuse. Um, had a solid year last year. Um, they didn't really have that go-to guy. They had a very spread out offense, which is a good thing. Bradley Voigt, uh, I believe, led with uh, with mostly goals. He he was always the the man up guy. And uh, their go-to score in crunch time. Um, they also lost, um, excuse me, the attackman. Uh, I loved watching him. Uh, Nate Solomon, uh, him and Voigt, who were 41 and 44 points, respectively. Uh, they do get back their face-off guy, 60% Jacob Fopp. Um, otherwise, the offense, the only real questions is at the attack with those two guys leaving. Uh, you've got Stephen Rafis, Griffin Cook, who was a freshman last year, but I played him in high school, and he is insanely shifty. He may look tiny out there on the field. He has some of the most ridiculous footwork um, and can shoot. He's just very crafty. I think as a sophomore, you know, playing at Syracuse, they've always loved having guys like that. I think um, he'll step in as that second attackman, and the third one is a real question mark. It might be Owen Hull. Um, it appears like he got the most time uh, and points logged as an attackman last year. But that really is the only question is how that attack unit molds because Cuse has always had uh, great attack units, if not that one go-to guy who I think Rafis can be. He's very good uh, as long as other guys can compliment him. But the midfield unit as a whole, I'm talking offense, defense, the midfield for this team might just be the best in the country. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Syracuse fan. Um, you have Chase Scanlon coming over from Loyola, wearing 22 as a very, very, very big honor uh, in Syracuse culture and Syracuse lacrosse. Uh, you got Chase Scanlon, you got Jamie Tromboli, the uh, senior from Victor. Um, he's had a number of clutch shots. He's a great midi, really hard shot. Um, he's always done great ever since he's come in. Uh, and Tucker Dordovic, who's been one of the bigger stories now with him coming back from his injury. You know, seeing a lot of postseason 
I'm sorry, preseason videos of him uh, getting some uh, getting work in, whether it was in Oregon or it's in the dome. I mean, this kid as a freshman didn't have a ton of points, but I mean, you're looking at like four goals leading to an upset over Virginia. Um, goals against Duke. It's just the the confidence that he had and the shots he's taking. Where, he, although he's been hurt for a year, still getting another year of experience and pl- and getting playing time in there. I mean, whether he's getting the poll, I don't know who's going to get the poll. Probably going to be Scanlon. This kid's going to have shorties to work with, and he's just scary. He's just very very talented, and I think a lot of people forgot that he was on the sideline all of last year. Um. You got a, the trio of juniors. You got Jacob Buttermore, David Lipka, Brendan Curry. Uh, I think some of those guys got um, some All-American nods from inside lacrosse for a preseason. Um, but that that's six middies right there that are just it, it's going to be it's going to put other teams in a very tough position to defend. Then on defensively, you've got Peter Durth, a two-way midi from Ridgefield, uh, was sensational on offense. Uh, in high school, but once he got to the college level, decided to take defense a little more serious, and now um, he's a he's a force to reckon with. And you've got Brett Kennedy, who I think is one of the more dynamic LSMs in the whole country. Proved his worth last year, offensively and defensively, and and transitionally. Uh, and Drake Porter between the net, a little below sixty percent at fifty six. Um, I, I just think overall, I think their defense should be solid. You've got Nick Mellon coming back. It feels like he's been here for like six years as a Q's fan. I feel like I keep hearing his name, but, 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 the um, between all of that, I, I just think that really solidifies the team offensively again with a whole year of everyone coming back. Um, they were third in the country and man up. So if they can keep that up, um, that's, that's one of the most key things is capitalizing when, when you should, uh, with an extra man. Uh, so that's the Syracuse team. Um, I think it's it's solid to put them at seven. I think they finished the year at ten, um, and I like them there. Number six now. I got Penn. Uh, Penn had another unbelievable season. They beat Yale twice, the team in the national championship, uh, only to f- unfortunately lose to them in overtime in the third game. Um, that was a faceoff battle. That was an offensive battle. Um, they have the weapons. They really only lose Simon Mathias. Um, who was a great, great player, don't get me wrong. They've got everyone else coming back. However, um, Penn, you've got Adam Goldner, who's a 50-plus goal scorer, um, 60 points total. You have Sam Hanley, who was a freshman All-American, first team, 60 points. you got Sean Lully, 31 points. Mitch Bartolo, 23. Dylan Gergar, 22. Um, so you've got pretty much that whole offense back besides Matthias, who was a very clutch player, very great player. Um and they lost their guy, Reed Junkin and Nett, who 53% was a solid goalie. Um, definitely played well in their uh, Ivy League and then playoff um, performances. You got Kyle Gallagher at faceoff, though, 63%. He's coming back. Um, defense wasn't huge on takeaways. They were 44th in scoring defense. Um, but it, it, it feels like they're just one of those offense can outdo uh, if, they're, if they're not performing well defensively. Uh, they get the B.J. Farrar, that freshman LSM, got that huge ground ball in that um, in that overtime game with Yale, um, which gave them that last possession in which Matthias scored. Uh, it's basically just seeing if Goldner and Hanley, um, especially Hanley, because I think now he might be getting all the attention. He's such a big body. They're going to have to give him a pull. 
Um, I didn't watch them enough, so, I mean, maybe he did get the poll anyways last year. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we'll just have to see if those two guys can sort of just lead the way. Uh, the Ivy could have a pretty good three-way battle with Yale, Penn, and Cornell, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, I think their record may lie with that Ivy record um, as well. But I like Penn. You know, again, they were also a game away from getting to be into the quarterfinals and then semis. They were an outstanding team, so I think it's fair to leave them at six. And now, for what everyone's been waiting for, the top five teams I have going into this season. Uh, Number five, I have Duke. Um, Duke was overtime loss away from the championship again, um, losing to Virginia like I talked about at the start of the episode. Um, They don't lose that much, and again, it's Duke. They've been in the championship or they've been in championship weekend um, since, like, what, 2010? I mean, it, it's Duke. It's it's Donowski. I mean, they're just they're just a great team still. They have Nakai Montgomery back, just an athletic freak from the midfield. You've got Joe Robertson. You've got Joey Minown. Uh, like, like, like I said, they went toe-to-toe with UVA, the eventual champions. Um, they had two only two sophomores to replace uh, Turner Upgren and goal, which I guess is the really one of the questions. They lose Brad Smith, C.J. Carpenter, uh, Jake Seau, Rathorst is also gone, and and Prendergast on defense. But again, like I was saying with Loyola and and, all, and any of these teams, Duke is a blue chip prospect, just hauling kids in. They've definitely got people to step in, um, and, and it always feels like you hear some new name. Nakai Montgomery was the one two years ago having that hat trick in the first half in route to their title uh, appearance with Gutterding. I mean, it's, it's, there's always someone that just pops out, and I, I just I think Duke, they just always belong to be that. They always deserve to belong that high. And, um, yeah, I was right on par with Nike. They had them fifth, and I think it's fair. Um, they were, again, one game away from the title uh, appearance again. Uh, so at number four, I have Maryland. I'm pretty high on them. Um, they were... Um, they're a great team. I think you got Jaron Burdhart leading them again, the Toroton finalist. I think he takes a step up from 78 points. I think he gets a little more. Uh, you get Logan Wisnowskis back, uh, DeMeo, uh, Fer- Bubba Fairman. They lost Louis Dubik and Will Snyder, but those were their five and seven scorers. So, I mean, they really got the heart of their offense back. They did lose two seniors on D, Curtis Corley, um, and another, and their goalie, but um, they will be led. Now by Makar, Brett Makar, who is a freshman, mainly an off-ball defender. But um, if you, I haven't made it clear enough by my social media, I played with Brett in high school. Uh, he's the grade below me, and he's probably one of the better athletes I've literally ever seen uh, grace uh, the sport of lacrosse. He is a ground ball vacuum, just just a, just a walking muscle at that and just very smart IQ, very big on communicating. Um, I have 100% faith in that he will make another leap this year. He got an honorable mention All-American nod from inside lacrosse, which I thought was pretty awesome. But he's going to probably be their number one pole this year. He's going to take the spot of Curtis Corley. And um, and Maryland's always been known for having their defensive uh, personnel. They also have uh, Ray Hill um, left on defense as well. Um, it, it's just Maryland. I mean, they're just 
they're just a top program. They're, they're going to have kids to come back in uh, to fill in any of those lost spots. Uh, if that if that means it's got to be another defenseman and a goalie, but otherwise their whole offense back with a Toraton finalist who's probably going to be one again, um, and another team who you could argue should have beat Virginia on that insane call that hit the pipe and they called it a goal. You never know how things unravel. Um, so again, another great team. I think they deserve to be at four. Uh, number three, I have Yale. Um, I mean, they obviously went to the championship. They lost. Um, they're sort of just on a tear right now. They they won their championship. Uh, they went back to it again. They lost. Um, but they're just, and, and Andy Shea just is just a sensational coach, and and they're they're just wild over there. They got some crazy lifting programs. They they just turn everybody into just hustle machines. And if you ever watch them, that's pretty apparent. Uh, Yale is just Yale's insane. I mean, they bring pretty much their entire offense back. You have Jackson Morrill, 91 points. Matt Brandau, who is a freshman, 73 points. Uh, you have Matt Gaudette, who's somehow still in college lacrosse at age 27, uh, with 51, 40 of those being goals, 40-plus uh, of that being goals, all of those guys. You have Jack Ty and Joey Sessa graduate. Joey Sessa, the little spark plug. I think he was like 5'4", 5'5". It was just ridiculous, but he was probably like 200 pounds. Um, he, he was always entertaining for him just taking it to the rack. But you have D'Angelis graduating too. Um, but really those top three, four guys is just enough. They, they've just got the offense. And it doesn't really matter because they're going to get every possession of the game with TD Erland still coming back for his senior year to complete what will be the best face-off man career in NCAA history. Probably will get near his win percentage of 76 again. It's just not fair um, that Yale has TD Yearland. I mean, you got Chris Fake and Eden Hines return. Um, we're both, I think, sophomores, if not juniors. You got Jack Starr back between the pipes, who is 46%, but at times looks really, really good. Um, as I've said, you know, they're just a well coached physical team. They really just shouldn't, they shouldn't skip a beat much. Um, and again, they were they were in the finals. Although Virginia won, they were there. Um, so I've got them at three. At number two, I have Penn State. And I know everyone's on the wagon that Penn State should be the number one team. Um, but let me explain to you why. They do have five of their six offensive guys returning. You do have Grant Ament, 126. Mac O'Keefe, 96. Dylan Folds, Jack Kelly, 50-plus points each. TJ Malone, 33 points. You have Gerard Arceri, 61% from the faceoff X, and 10 points. He's a threat, just like LaSala is on Virginia, just like Yearland can be as well. Um, one of their two guys, one of their two defensemen's return. Um, they had the highest, highest scoring offense last year. Their D really just needs to be good enough for them to have success. I just think with tape and sort of just seeing how insane this offense is. Um, you might have teams being able to scheme against them better, but it is hard to scheme against a meant to O'Keefe over and over and over again. The guy just always gets open. The guy gets his hands free. Uh, it, it, it is hard. It, it's tough. Penn State, um, they're just, they're ridiculous. And and mind you, had they not ran into TD Yearland, they probably would have been in championship weekend to, to play Virginia, which would have been an unbelievable game um, at that um, 
But the reason I have him at number two uh, and not number one uh, is mainly just because of the scoring um, the scoring on offense. It seems very heavy on Ament to O'Keefe, which, like I'm saying, could be schemed a little better this year defensively by the teams they play. I mean, they still got two 50-plus point scorers with Dylan Folds and Jack Kelly, who are both great, don't get me wrong. Um, I think it's just a little heavy and reliant on Grant Ament, who can totally handle that pressure and probably deliver. Um, I just think they might have a step back, kind of like a Patrick Mahomes going for 5,050 touchdowns last year. This year, not nearly as much, still very talented. I think with number one, if you haven't figured it out, uh, it's the Virginia Cavaliers. They won the national title by six. Um, they pretty much don't lose a single player. Um, they've got their goalie back, who was the MVP of the tournament, made like 14 saves in the final. The semifinal was instrumental in that happening. The Really, the only person they lose is Ryan Conrad, who the do-it-all midi, you know, he could play defense. It seemed like he picked up every loose ground ball. He just was a hustle player, uh, but he was their fifth highest scorer. Um, and while, you know, that's still somewhat important, he had 49 points as the fifth highest scorer. This offense is probably the most diverse in the entire country, and nothing's going to change about that. Five of their six guys return. You've got Matt Moore with 89 points, which was an even 46-49 split. Or, uh, I'm sorry, 40, 40 and 40, um, something, something. He had a pretty, he had an almost dead even split with 89 points. You have Michael Krause, 75 points. Ian Laviano, 62. Docs Aiken, 52 points. Mikey Herring uh, graduated, but he had 35. Like, this offense was just ridiculously spread out. I just don't understand how you guard it. Um, you have Petey LaSalle, one of the more under-recruited, underrated faceoff guys, 60% last year and clutch in the playoffs. He had how many goals where he just won it, scooped, just ran straight down uh, the heart of the defense and buried it. I watched him do it at least twice against Duke in the semifinal game. Uh, the kids just got it, and he's back, and he was just a freshman. And that should say enough. Um, Alex Rode, like I said, he backboned that defense en route to a title and was stellar himself in the playoffs. Statistically, I think only 49-50%, but when it mattered, the kid the kid could play. All but Logan Greco uh, return on defense. Uh, so they did lose uh, at least two guys, um, but I think they'll have I think they'll be able to have people to step in. And similar to Penn State, it's just got to be good enough. You have a solid goalie. You just need a good enough defense that can deal uh, with the offense just being off the hook. But I really just had to edge them out just enough over Penn State because they were the reigning champs. They've got an outstanding faceoff guy, pretty similar to Arseri, who's offensively capable. And they just have a more spread-out offense. I, I just think it's so hard to defend that when you've got – uh, when you've got Matt Moore, Kraus, Laviano, Aiken, uh, it, it's just, it's scary. And they're just really fun to watch for that for that exact reason. So that's going to round out the top 20. So I'll run through it really quickly. Uh, Virginia 1, Penn State 2, Yale 3, Maryland 4, Duke 5, 
Penn 6, Syracuse 7, Notre Dame 8, John Hopkins 9, Cornell 10, Army 11, UNC 12, Denver 13, High Point 14, UMass 15, Loyola 16, Villanova 17, Ohio State 18, Rutgers 19, and Towson 20. So that is my top 20. Please, please let me know if you agree, if you disagree, whether that's via Twitter or Instagram, wherever you hear this pod. Um, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. I wanted to put time into this, and I did, and I'd like to get some feedback. Next, we're going to move on to the Tawaraton finalists, where I think those those five guys are going to be sitting in that room, uh, seeing if their name gets called. Um, I think first, it's obviously going to be Grant Ament. I think he maybe approaches the same point total, um, but, but regardless, it doesn't matter about points. Um, he's just simply one of the best attackmen there is on one of the best teams, and I think he's just going to go right back there from last season and maybe win it. Who knows? We have to see how the season goes. But basically, it was a coin flip between him and Pat Spencer. I personally liked Pat Spencer, but um, we'll have to see. Second's going to be T.D. Ireland. Like I said, he's going to finish the best faceoff man career ever. It may never be touched. Um, and, and he's going to have to be up there simply because of his value to Yale and, and just the game itself. Faceoffs are so crucial, uh, extra possessions, and you know the rest. T.D. Erland, my second pick. Jared Bernhardt, I think, is the, the next one to be chosen, and uh, I, I think it's fair because he was one last year. He wasn't statistically off the hook. I mean, he did have 70 or some odd points, I just think with Maryland another year now, um, they're trying to definitely make a championship uh, weekend push, and that's definitely going to ride on him leading the offense. Uh, and he, he showed he was the man. Uh, if it wasn't already apparent with that miracle shot, unbelievable snipe uh, over Tyler Canto and Towson to, to tie the game and go to overtime, and then they won shortly after. And Bernhardt is just a beast. And I, I, th- I think he gets there again. It's kind of a no-brainer. I think the next two are pretty interesting. I go, um, I say Michael Sowers gets in it again. Um, it's kind of interesting that he does get the recognition he does with Princeton really never competing in the Ivy, not really coming close to the tournament. Uh, he kind of is just statistically and also physically very talented um, and stands out uh, sort of off the page. He's just a great, great feeder and probably could give Ament a run for his money in terms of shiftiness and quickness behind the goal. Um, he's very impressive and really cool to watch just because he's also another little guy, and um, he, he's just very impressive. And I think he gets another nod, and I think as a senior, he's, uh, he's going to ball out as best as he can and try to disrupt that Ivy League, uh, Ivy League dominance with Yale and, and Cornell. And I think my last pick, um, which I think was interesting, and I'd probably get some, uh, get some people to disagree, but I say Chris Gray is the fifth uh, member of the Toroton finalists. I think, like I said earlier with UNC, I think playing in the ACC, he's going to sort of elevate his game as a result. He's going to have weapons that he hasn't had before to pass to. And again, he was third in scoring in not some pushover of a conference. He was in the Patriot League. He's he's playing Loyola. He beat Loyola. Uh, he's playing Lehigh. He's playing Army. Like He's playing these teams. It's not really much different than other conferences where now he's going to have much different personnel to deal with. 
Um, and I think he's also going to want to prove himself now as a junior. Um, I, I really buy, I buy the, uh, the stock on UNC being a, a good team this year. And Chris Gray, honestly giving a conversation because like I'm saying with Michael Sowers, if he's going to get, um, if he's going to get notoriety and, and chosen for this two years in a row, I think, um, with Princeton's lack of success, I think, I think they were under 500 last year. If Chris Gray was doing what he was doing at Boston University and not getting recognized, if he's doing that at UNC, he better get some recognition. And I think he will. I think he'll be that fifth, that fifth spot for the Toroton finalists. Lastly, now to round out the episode, I have some predictions on some things we might see by the end of the season. Uh, they're just kind of interesting little things and some takes I want to throw out there. Uh, first, I think the Marist Red Foxes uh, will crack the top 20 at some point this season, if not maybe finish there, uh, if they do end up winning the MAC again, like they did so stunningly last season. Uh, I think if they win and they get into the tournament, not the buy-in game or the play-in game, excuse me, I think if they actually uh, just get in and get some time, some screen time, people will realize like this, this is, it's a solid team. It's a very, it's a good team. They may statistically be one of the better offenses um, uh, in the country, honestly, just because of the conference they play in. And also you have an entire offense returning. Every single one of them comes back. You've got a captain, a senior midi. You've got um, uh, a young attack unit, um, really good shooters, a distributor from behind. You have Jamison Embry, uh, a friend of mine, but really with no bias. Um, this is going to be a, fu- a cool team to watch. They do have a handful of good matchups, Richmond, Army, uh, Utah, um, and then most other conference play. That's just off the top of my head, but if they could get a win over Army or even Richmond, um, I think that could get them uh, some some clout and get them into the uh, top 20, possibly, top 25. Um, next, I have Mary Mack as... You may or may not know Mary Mack went Division One this year. They moved up from Division Two. Uh, they repeated uh, national championships um, the last two years, and I guess they finally decided to make a move up to Division One, be a more legitimate program. Um, they have kind of a mind-blowing um, statistic, I guess if you want to call it. Their entire attack line returns, and they all almost had 100 points each. And yes, you heard me correctly. If you were not up to up to par with um, Mary Mack's team last year, they were absolutely dominant. Uh, Limestone, who went into the national championship, were twenty and zero, and they lost um, sixteen to eight in the in the championship to Mary Mack. They were just absolutely dominant. Um, another thing that people may actually not know was two years ago they played Yale in a scrimmage in the fall. Mary Mack, um, and lost by, I think, a couple goals, two or three goals, and Ben Reeves played the entire game. So that, like, these guys can ball out. I know Division Two may get overlooked a good amount, but these guys can ball out. And, like, if you've got it, you've got it. And I think it'll definitely transfer to Division One, which is why I predict they will at least win 10 games on their schedule it may sound pretty pretty audacious, but 
They play Holy Cross, Dartmouth, Fairfield, Michigan, Vermont, and UMass Lowell to start the year. I think they could win all of those, quite frankly. Um, then they go Wagner, St. Joe's, Bryant, Yale, NJIT, VMI, LIU, Hobart, and Sacred Heart. I think they can win most of those too. Those are a lot of teams that were below 500, couple win teams. I think Yale could could probably beat them, but also be a game to definitely watch out for. As I mentioned two years ago, played them right down to the wire, and Ben Reeves, the Tawaraton, and that was a national championship team. <laughs> and whether you say it's a fall scrimmage or not, um, clearly they were trying to actually play. And uh, so I think that's pretty interesting uh, also just to watch as a D2 team comes up to D1 and uh, see how they perform. But I think at least 10 wins is in their cards. Um, lastly here, or second to last, I have um, some predictions in terms of points and uh, stat leaders for the season. I think Ament repeats as the points leader. I think that offense, like I'm saying, is uh, is definitely revolves around him. He had 126 um, not even going to the semifinal or championship and, uh, and led the, led the entire NCA in points, uh, had almost, had almost a hundred assists. Um, he's just super impressive. And I think he repeats that. Honestly, I think he'll go number one. I think second will be Chris Gray. You have guys like Pat Spencer graduating. Uh, Mac O'Keefe is up there because of how many goals he gets, but I don't think he's going to be second. That would be that would be insane if it if that was the case. But I think Chris Gray goes two, considering he was three this past season. And like I've said a few times now with UNC, I think he could get a lot more points and a lot more action going. So I think Chris Gray goes number two right behind Ament. And then I think third will be Asher Nolting from High Point. And that may seem, you know, somewhat of like a hot take, but Nolting was fifth last year with 92. Mac O'Keefe was above him with 96. Otherwise, Chris Gray was third with 108. Pat Spencer was second with 114. And then Ament, of course, number one um, with 126. So I think with Spencer gone, Gray elevating his game possibly, um, O'Keefe maybe will sneak in front of Nolting. But I think, again, with that whole offense returning um, for high point, I think Nolting could have a really big year as a junior as well. He's just a big... Big dude, can great hands, um, great vision. Obviously, he's just overall a great player. Uh, I think he could sneakily be that uh, that number three guy. Um, otherwise, you have a bunch of other dudes. I won't go. I'm not going to go beyond that for points. I think the top three guys are kind of what you look at, and I think that I think that could be what it is. I think it'll be fun to watch that unfold. And lastly, I think Utah upsets a ranked opponent this season. Uh, they played Duke to finish the year. Um, they had some solid games last year. Um, trying to pull up their schedule here um, for this season. Um, last year, uh, they went five and ten, I believe. They were um, they were okay. They were obviously a first year program. Um, they lost to Vermont in their in their season opener. They beat Mercer. They beat Air Force. They beat Furman. They beat Bellarmine. And then they beat Detroit Mercy 16-10 to end the season. Um, however, they lost to Virginia. They lost to UMass. They lost to Duke by six, which was actually a game at halftime. Uh, I remember watching that one. Uh, they lost to Denver by nine. 
Hofstra by four. So they don't sound outstanding. Um, they've definitely got guys returning on offense, though. Their whole offense returns. Uh, they've gotten some transfers as well. Uh, they've got a great goalie in Liam Donnelly. He's a Yorktown guy. He was 50% last year. He's a great, great uh, hard worker. He's a lefty as well. So that definitely jams people up. And um, I know him personally. He's a competitor. He will improve. Um, I think the team itself, just another year under their belt with Holman's coaching staff and um, Will Manny too. Um, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be uh, a better, uh, a good season, a better season. Um, I'm looking at their schedule now. So they start off with Lehigh, then Air Force, then Furman, then Jacksonville, then Mount St. Mary's, UMass, Hampton, Cleveland State, Virginia, Marist, Georgetown, Duke. Uh, I think one of those teams, they could surprisingly pull off an upset. I really do. If Lehigh enters the year ranked, which they might be, that's the first game of the year. That's a that's always shaky for any team, honestly. We saw Syracuse lost to Colgate last year in their season opener. Uh, you've got Air Force, who's always always bounces around. Um, you've got UMass, who definitely will be ranked. Uh, you've got Virginia. You know, Marist could be ranked at that point late season. Georgetown, you never know. Um, if they put it together on offense, um, and Duke obviously to end the year, um, could be wild, obviously with record and playoff implications as well. I think, uh, I think Utah can pull it off. I think it would be fun and, and good and get people talking.